Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? (laughs) Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 10 of Over Underrated. And it's another week of music fun, and this week we're happy to announce another special guest. This week we have Matt Hoss, who is a comedian, a Twitcher, and a podcaster. He does Carterville and also Myths, and I believe that Babs is a big fan. That is correct. We were absolutely delighted to get Matt Hoss on. Perhaps a bit less delighted with the overrated choice that he picked, but he was a fantastic guest and a brilliant person to end the last episode of our first season. But don't worry guys, we will be returning in the spring for more podcast magic. So please get out your hairspray, your studded denim jacket, and enjoy part one. So welcome to another episode of Over Underrated with Babs and Fran. And this is going to be the last episode of our first season. Isn't that right, Fran? Sad times, guys. But hey, there's a future coming over the horizon in 2021. Ending this season, we have another special guest. We have a comedian, a podcaster, and a Twitcher, Matt Hoss. Hello, Matt. Hello. Uh, thank you for the lovely introduction. Uh, and what a pleasure to be here at the end of the season. Uh, thank you for making it so far, everyone. Well, well done, listeners. And are you enjoying 2021? Actually, well, enjoying such a strong word for this uh, post-pandemic time, isn't it? You know, broad uh, word. <laughs> well, I actually, to be honest, I'm one of these annoying people that I don't mind being indoors all the time. Um, but obviously, uh, it affects a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and I'm very mindful of that. But in the last year, I've I've come onto Twitch. I've uh, started my new podcast. I, I finished uh, writing my book, so I feel that I made the most out of lockdown. I felt, and, and uh, though it's a terrible situation and uh, it continues to be quite upsetting and hard, I feel that I'm not really wasting any days, and I'm trying to. Yeah, so so far it's going pretty good, but I am also mindful that <laughs> it could take a dip up and down at any point. Do you know what I mean? I was say, you're, you're one of those smug, productive people during lockdown, right? Like while everyone else is having a crisis, do you? there like i can twitch i can write a book uh, yeah i'm very jealous matt quite honestly yeah. i'm like oh my god it's so hard for me i, I i've only written 2500 words on my book today oh my god so hard. me mm, yeah <laughs> well we're a month into uh january and uh trump's out guys Woo-hoo. <laughs> Woo! but glatimus cancelled nay <laughs> so hopefully it's gonna be a better year than last year, but who can say? Who can say? But thank God that we still have hair metal, guys. Oh, that, not a true word has been said. Oh, my God. Thank you. Right. This is my religion. Many people ask, I'm like, oh, what kind of like, oh, what would be your dream podcast to do? Would it be Mark Maron? Uh, would, it, would it be like, uh, uh, you know, going on Stuart Goldsmith? No. It's 80s hair metal right here, right now. This is my destiny. Here we are. Thank you. Can we quote you in our social media? Thank you very much. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. 
you might be wondering what is hair metal because it's actually uh, defined in lots of different ways and before we recorded this podcast we kind of just had a quick uh, uh, deduction of what that actually means as well and uh, I think we'll start with underrated but I do want to talk about um, the definition and essentially uh, you might uh, hair metal is the same as glam rock but it it hair metal is the derogative term for it so the fact that we're calling it hair metal is a uh, it, it, the people who made it probably wouldn't like that because it's meant to be a bad term. And we'll talk more about what happened to it as it goes on because I think it's a pertinent to the bands we're talking about, um, particularly the underrated band. But on top of that, uh, so yeah, uh, so it mostly is 80s, um, back end of 80s, slightly into early 90s, but the, the kind of the the peak and the height of it was certainly uh, late 80s, uh, well, mid to late 80s, I would say. And what was your view on on hair metal as you went into this? I own the best of Def Leppard as a, a starting place, mm. and I know Def Leppard are influenced by a lot of the glam bands in the seventies, like Sweet, for example, mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of. My Absolutely. first ever CD was the best of Sweet, mm-hmm. and yeah. So, but I know there's kind of a mix in the eighties of what sort of bands are hair metal because obviously Guns and Roses are a lot harder than Poison. Absolutely. And they all kind of got put in the same box because they all had the same sort of like long hair. Some wore more makeup than others. Mm-hmm. And I guess with the bands you have, they weren't as poodle rock as others. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a semi, I'm a semi fan. I don't really have any tattoos. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Not, not the start of this podcast, but by the end. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting concept because like the idea of glam rock is supposed to be that it's more style than substance. And that's the idea is like, oh, you get your hair dressed up, very 80s style, you know, and they kind of like, um, the idea is meant to be like Kiss. Like you, you kind of have, you, it's all front, but like, that's that's why they call it hair metal because the only thing they care about is put, doing the hair rather than the songs. That's that's the joke about that. But also on top of that, it's, um, but yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot of different sounds that were within it. And Guns N' Roses are the kind of, they were kind of the last big hair metal band because uh, um, what happened after that, Grunge came in in 1992, uh, well, just before that, and uh, it kind of they killed off uh, hair metal, kind of dead in the waters. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things which uh, it, they were the last big bastion of that. Uh, but they were also a lot harder sounding and a lot more, they were, they were yeah, the last kind of bastion of hair metal, I would say. And Babs? Interesting, yeah. I, I'm coming in as the skeptic <laughs> for this podcast. So with hair metal, I can absolutely appreciate like the fashion, the androgyny, yes, please. Uh, but it's really not one of my favorite genres of rock. I had to really kind of center myself and open my mind. And I think this is the first episode I've recorded actually where I haven't heard a single song on either of the playlists. So I've come in not knowing very much, ready, ready to have my mind changed, but but nervous about what I'm about to get myself into. Let, let me just start off uh, by saying that I think Guns N' Roses were the band, uh, and I didn't pick them because I kind of don't think they are overrated nor underrated. I think they're kind of in that sweet spot, in my opinion. They uh, they kind of just, they're not, yeah, I think they, they kind of, they have that legacy where they're, they're doing okay. But also, but they, they were the kind of my starting place for all my love for this type of music. Uh, and I got into that as a teenager. And a lot of the hair metal I loved, and particularly coming to this episode, was a lot of uh, a lot of bands I loved when I was a teenager. Obviously, 10 years after the fact, I'm 27 now. And looking back, a lot of these, A, lyrics, and also there's controversies uh, with uh, some bands as well. So to look look back it's kind of like uh, well say some controversy a lot of controversy but like uh, it's one of these things where 
it's it's hard to it's harder to enjoy it now as I did then, but there's still that little metal, metal teenager in my heart where I do enjoy the songs just at face value and uh, for all their warts and all, you know. So you've chosen hair metal specifically, but so was your main genre metal when you were a teenager, or was it metal and rock? What what were you listening to when you were a teenager? Good question. I think it was a roundabout mix of everything. So when I was a teenager, my two favorite bands were Metallica and Beatles, uh, and for different reasons. Metallica, uh, oh, I would say Guns N' Roses were just before that. Like Guns N' Roses were before I properly got into music. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're the band which I had the best on CD when I was like 11 and really got into them. Uh, so they were there. I, I loved the sound of like hard rock and metal because it's just like, I don't know, it's just always connected to me. And uh, I always felt a bit of an outsider. I think the reason why I love music and love discussing music in the way I do is because music connected to me in a time when not many other people did and i don't want this to be like oh boohoo pity me that's not the case it's just what i mean to reflect is that it's music is a language that i that resonates with me you know what i mean it's the it's the vibrancy in my heart and yeah and that's how i emote and i convey stuff and uh, it's how i reflect moods and i think that's a uh, and at that time that appetite for destruction lovely pun was there um uh, but yeah so i i lit a lot, lot of metal um I think thrash metal, hard rock, and uh, hair metal were uh, the most ones, plus the Beatles, I would say. Do you have any allies at school into the same sort of music? Yeah, there were, there were a handful of people. We went to Sonosphere, and uh, uh, there's a bunch of us. There wasn't many of us, and uh, I and I used to go to gigs quite a lot with uh, certain people who I love and cherish. Uh, but just one of those things where you just don't get to see. Even so, I, a lot of the music I listened to wasn't as widely shared with everyone else. In fact... I, I still find to this day, I come like, oh, I've got this cool band. And a lot of people are like, I have no idea what that is and I don't care. And I'm like, and yeah, so I always feel a bit de- uh, deflated when people don't know of things that I'd know. But to be fair, I do listen to a lot of like more bespoke stuff. But that always means when I meet someone who does like what I do, it's always like, yes, let's talk about that right now. Yes, I love you. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what I say to anyone. <laughs> I found I was really into a lot of um, early 80s new wave bands when I was in my teenage years mm-hmm. and going to a gig to see like the Pesh Mode or Duran Duran it was like me Evan, everyone who's like my uncle age I guess there's not many 27 year olds who are into well I, so, so we say who you're going to be talking about first yeah I think that's um so my underrated band is uh, called Skid Row um they uh, featuring Sebastian Mack and uh, lots of other great uh, people as well uh, well so so Lots of other people as well. <laughs> like, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them more afterwards. But and also, my overrated band is Bon Jovi. So, uh, oh, and yeah. I str- I actually really struggle picking these because there, there were plenty of people who I thought were un- a lot, well, a lot of people who I thought were underrated. People like uh, Cinderella, Wasp, a lot of those times. But what I found, what I really struggled with picking with this, there's a peak with these bands where they have two great albums and then the rest are either. Uh, not existent or really terrible. Do you know what I mean? Like it, that happens quite a lot with a lot of people, uh, especially in like indie two thousand and five onwards. Like every indie band would do two great ones, and the rest would be terrible, uh, or they would drop out. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it happens all the time. You know what I mean? I think uh, most of indie bands did one good album. There's so <laughs> many, there's so many good. Like seriously, Maxima Park, Block yeah. Party, Futurehead, all stunning first albums, and straight away dip. 
I think it's true. A lot of these bands do go on to do good stuff, but they're just not known about it. Fratelli yeah. would be a great example because they did um, the Chelsea Dagger album. I can't remember what it's called, but their first debut album, absolutely fantastic. They did the second album, which was technically good, but no one really cared about it. Well, then they kept on doing albums, which... Um, are really good, but just people just don't pick up on them. And I think that it doesn't mean that their albums are bad. It just means that people just don't connect with them in the same way. And I, I don't know why that is. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think people kind of drop out quite a lot. You know I think, I mean? you know, quite a lot of people, they will like a band when it's popular and then not keep up. Like, I, 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 know, I know these weirdos, these people where it's like, oh, you know, because this is the genre that's on the radio now, like, I'm going to get really into grunge and listen to, like, you know, everything between 91 and 94 and then just not not get involved and actually there's quite a few bands from that era still doing interesting stuff and and things like that and and just to reassure you matt you are you are in a safe space of people who definitely use music to to convey their emotions and are very much into it so welcome <laughs> welcome and share away <laughs> why do you think we do music podcasts i don't know <laughs> like we're actually mostly comedy podcast fans but we are like no it's music that we're going to talk about yeah <laughs> <laughs> underrated All I knew about Skid Row going into this was the name. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out I knew a bit more because, of course, Sebastian Bach was in Gilmore Girls. And that's where I know him from. Right? Oh, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, okay. he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant in Gilmore Girls because he's playing a sort of aging rock star. But he he plays it with such enthusiasm and charisma. I, I think it's just a very interesting character because he's not... He's not someone who's like going out, getting laid all the time. He has like a wife and kids and he's genuinely trying to make it in the music business and make it with these other characters who are all much younger than him. Uh, And I had a a quite nice sort of dig down into YouTube yesterday, kind of watching clips from Gilmore Girls and watching a video of him talking about it. And it was really funny because he was like, you know, I go to a rock club and I'm like the guy from Skid Row, but I go to any suburban area. He was like in Italy, in South America, and there'll be a little girl walking along with her mom and be like, oh my God, you're a girl from Gilmore Girls. And I'm like, that is exactly how I know. I only know him as that. Um, so, uh, oh, that's so, yeah, amazing. That's it was, a... it's, it's really funny. <laughs> See, the thing is, I've, I'd say I, <laughs> as a rock nerd, I've done a lot, of me- a lot of research on this in the last two weeks, but I didn't know that. That's pretty big for me. Wow. I'm going to have to watch Gilmore Girls when I get uh, home. So uh, I, I recommend, uh, start with, look him up, you know, Gil Gilmore Girls, Hollaback Girl. You're welcome. Okay, Honestly, you. you're welcome. You can start with that. But yeah, Fran, did you know a bit more about them? I knew the name, so I think I've seen them on like festival lineups, like download maybe, or like I knew it wasn't the original line. I knew Sebastian Bach's name. I saw people in HMV with the name on a patch on their leather jacket, but I couldn't name a song, um, and I was shocked about how big they were. They're one of the biggest bands in in the nineties, weren't they? In the early nineties, bigger than the band Big and Guns N' Roses. So, yeah, I, that 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 started me, and how fast they crashed. Um. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, because like, they did um, Castle Donington in 1992, Monsters of Rock. And uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, because they're on the bill with some pretty legendary people. I think it's uh, Metallica and uh, Guns N' Roses, and lots of other wonderful people as well. So that's it's a pretty, it's, it's a slim lineup because back in the day, it's like a one day festival, but it's a uh, pretty, like, pretty amazing. And it felt a bit cheap picking them for underrated because they are massive. They are a big cult band, but also not many people know about them. So I, I felt that. They did fit the, the remit of the podcast, but no, also... But it, it actually happens with a lot of our bands where we're like, yeah, underrated, and then we go and look and it's like they have a million followers on Spotify. So I, I checked with Skid Row, they have 2.5 million monthly listeners and 1.6 million fo- uh, followers. So 
they're big, but I'm like, again, you know, I like to think I know my music and all I knew about them was was the name. So I'm, I'm really glad that you picked them because, yeah, I've discovered something new. Well, thank you. And um, the reason I got into Skid Row is actually, uh, and I think this is a testament to their legacy, really, is that um, when I was young, I went to go and see Kiss Live in 2010 um, and really loved them. And their support act was a band called Taking Dawn, uh, uh, the band from, I believe, Los Angeles. And they uh, basically, they, um, they're really awesome, like hard rock band. And they said they're inspirations uh and taking Doll one of my biggest bands of all time they did a, they only released really one album and they're releasing stuff at the moment but they released uh an album about 10 12 years ago called uh time to burn wonderful album uh and exactly what i liked as a teenager um and it's pretty similar to skid row because like yeah i listened back to it and goes oh that's where they get all the inspiration from uh, uh but yeah and that's how i got into skid row i didn't really listen to skid row lots at that time but i eventually kind of made my way around to it if you know what i mean and uh yeah i uh listened, listened to the hits of them as well and i really really loved what i heard really and would you be able to do a brief explanation to people who don't know skid row a hidden link I only found out after this is that Skid Row and uh, Bon Jovi were uh, friends before they made it big. And they, they had a pact, uh, well, Sebastian and uh, John Bon Jovi had a pact saying, right, if anyone, one of us makes it big, we'll help the other out. And they did. Bon, bon Jovi got big. Bon Jovi allowed them uh, Skid Row to be their uh, support act, which was really cool. And I thought that's, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I really appreciate that. And actually it, it does a lot of wonders for Bon Jovi in my heart. They may be overrated in their music, but... I actually think they're actually pretty swell people. Skid Row uh, is uh, formed in 1986 in New Jersey. Um, they have um, the bassist, uh, Rachel Boland, guitarist, Dave Sabo and Scotty Hill, and drummer, Rob Hammersmith. Currently, they have, um, at the, they're still going. They're still going at the moment. They have uh, the Dragon Force lead singer, ZP Thart, at the moment. Sebastian Mack is not on it. He's been out since the third album. And I kind of feel that that's why I kind of stopped listening to them, if you know what I mean. Like, it's, uh, they still, they're putting out pretty good music, but I don't, do you ever feel it like when, like, when the main thing is gone, there's just a lack of emotional connection to that band? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, half of my love for Dead Kennedys, proper love Dead Kennedys, but, like, uh, when Jello, the frontman, wasn't in it anymore, it's like, oh, don't really care about this anymore. Do you, do you, is that, do you ever get that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, so Fran was asking me, actually, before the record, whether I'd seen any videos of Skid Row, and I, I kind of hadn't, really because I didn't want to be influenced by it, but just, again, from watching Sebastian Bach, on Gilmore Girls, what a charismatic, handsome man. Like, I'm, I'm sure that like, he brings a lot to to the band that I think would be difficult to to replace. So I can believe from well, from what I saw, they released three albums with him and then he left and and then, yeah, it hasn't been quite the same since. Well, I, 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 I hear that he got kicked out over Kiss. Oh. I believe that Kiss invited them to support them on a big comeback gig and the rest of the band said no and pissed off Sebastian Bach. And then had a, a big falling out. So he ended up having a massive fight with the guitar player, Mr. Snake, I believe his nickname is. He, and, then, yeah, then he got, and he got kicked out of the band. And then to pour salt onto the wounds of, of uh, Sebastian, Skid Row then supported Kiss without him. Oh. Well, yeah, um, yeah, that's, that, that sucks. Uh, but I kind of feel, uh, as from my research, there's, been a, there's a lot of tension within that group between, especially after their second album as well, there's a lot of tension. One of the most controversial things, and I'm kind of glad that Sebastian Bach has turned out quite nice. And I, I kind of assumed has, but like, there's this one time where I think at the time, a lot of drugs, a lot of sex, a lot of rock and roll. 
basically he, he had quite a bad incident, Sebastian Bach, where he had, well, several incidents where he was a bit of an AIDS denialist uh, and basically he wore an anti-gay slogan on a T-shirt. Uh, um, do you want me to talk more in depth about that or would you? Uh... I, I love I love that kind of stuff. I don't know. <laughs> so ba- basically uh, he, um, he, he wore a T-shirt that said uh, AIDS kills fags dead. Obviously, not my words. The words of Sebastian Bach in the in the eighties, uh, and it can, it's, it's supposed to be a mocking of you know Raid, which is like the um, the book spray, and uh, and basically uh, he had be, he wore that at a gig, and also wore it a year ago during a, a photo shoot, and he's like, well, you know, I've only worn it a couple of times, and he got angry and basically just said he dismissed it very much, saying like, but here's the quote: I don't see what the big deal is, uh, really, but I guess if someone wore a T-shirt saying cancer kills grandma's dead, I'd probably be a little pissed too. Uh, and I just feel like he hasn't quite grasped the uh, the new one. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just to be fair, I think that the, the uh, Skid Row aren't the only band who uh, would aid denialists as well. Uh, but also in the same vein, um, they, they never really apologised for it either. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, uh, and also um, they tried to open for Nirvana, but Nirvana said that uh, they were too homophobic, which is pretty good. Good for Kurt Cobain. I mean, yeah, but he always said that, didn't he? He was like, "If you're homophobic, I don't want you to to listen to my music." Yeah, to be fair, I'm um, sorry that that um that was an interview back in like uh, the eighty nineties. Uh, uh, so that's that's I think honestly that's the worst thing about Skid Row, and it's obviously quite abhorrent, uh, and he didn't really. Um, oh, he eventually expressed uh, regret of the incident, but like I don't condone it. But also, it's one of these things where at that time a lot of people were doing a lot of drugs and a lot of. Um, questionable activities look like just um google axel rose melt- meltdown and that any of those are uh, like like 10 times worse uh, and not uh, it's obviously quite an awful thing and uh, so uh, yeah i just i'm just saying that um i can see where uh, if you're doing so much drugs and alcohol and you live in the fancy land saying stuff like that just for controversy yeah i it, i don't think he means it but also it's still a dumb thing to say isn't it it's one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, how much do you forgive the past? Because obviously, you know, like, I don't know, that was pretty much what the president of the United States was doing as well. So, yeah. you know, he's ec- he's echoing what the mainstream is, even though he's a rock star and should know better. You, you mean wearing uh, anti-fag t-shirts? Or... Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, Reagan did. Uh, he, he had them always under under his uh, his blazer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's and then it's the eternal question of separating the art from the artist. Like, uh, there's a really good book that I heartily recommend called Under My Thumb. And it's a collection of essays of female music fans and all the misogynists that they like. And it's, it's just a really interesting read yeah, uh, to be yeah. like, I really like this band, but oh, I mean, how do I, you know? And it's it's all sorts of genres from like fifties doo wop to metal and, and stuff, and it's it's a very interesting read. Yeah, and I, I really struggle with that a lot, uh, particularly with certain songs because I like to be honest. Like uh, the more research I do into a band uh, to talk about them, uh, the, the kind of less I love them a little bit because uh, you get to see a lot more of their warts, really, and get to see a lot of the messed up things that they've done and. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I just it makes me uh, a bit upset, and uh, especially that like, misogyny is still quite rife in uh, the music industry, particularly uh, at shows. But that's like the other suggestion I was going to do instead of eighties hair metal was I was going to talk about modern punk. And one of my favorite things about modern punk is that they're trying to stamp that out a lot more. Like uh, people are very, a lot more vocal and a lot more uh, open and supportive about that. And I think that's wonderful. Like someone like Jeff Rosenstock. On his live albums and in his live shows, he will actively say at the start of the show, right, 
if you like there's sometimes people come to the gig and they feel like they can like kind of grow people or whatever so um i want everyone to cheer that, that um cheer if you think you're dead against that and you'll stop anyone who's going to do that and everyone cheers and everyone's on the same page and uh and basically it, uni- it unites everyone saying hey we're, we're not about that we're all here to like be respected and stuff like that and i think that's uh he says in a far more eloquent and punk way but i just want to say that i'm glad that that's been addressed yeah yeah, yeah it, it, that toxic masculinity has been phased out a bit at the time do you know what I mean? And yeah. these kind of people like Sebastian Bach in the 80s, uh, and particularly Axel Rose, this is definitely an Axel Rose vibe, that is phased out a lot. For further watching, guys, Sebastian Bach also kicked a fan in the face during oh. a concert in 1989 after he got bottled. You can see it on yes. YouTube. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he went to court and had to like pay the, the person like millions and millions of pounds. So... It's a lovely guy in a bad place, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I, I kind of feel like with all these people, maybe I'm too nice, but I kind of feel that there's always, a, especially, you know what, the Gilmore girls. I came in here being ready to kind of be like, oh, uh, uh, but kind of be a bit down on them. But actually, the, the Gilmore girls kind of allows me to show there's a bit, there's a redemption, there's a, there's a growing, there's a maturity, and not all rock stars have that, and they're not all should be forgiven. And I'm not saying he should be forgiven, I'm just saying that there's, at least there's some redemption. Until I see Axel Rose and Hollyoaks, I won't give him any, any redemption for that, that, that young man. <laughs> oh, yes, please. <laughs> pass me the shot! <laughs> so I don't know if you know, but Sebastian Bach was on Broadway. So he got the part in Gilmore Girls because he played Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in Broadway. And it was after seeing that that the co-creators of Gilmore Girls put him on. So he, he said that they approached him sort of he did an audition for it, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, we can get on to, uh, let's, you know, the nuance aside, let's listen to the tunes. So Matt, you've created a 10-track playlist of, I imagine, your favourite Skid Row songs. Do you want to uh, take us through them and then yes, absolutely. talk about why you picked them? Yeah. So um, I wanted to share with you kind of, I would say the best of the first three albums, uh, by which I mean I put mostly the first album, a sprinkle of the second album, and one song from the third album. Uh, <laughs> and for, for good reason. And I, uh, yeah, let, let's just go through them. And uh, I think that there's, um, the first album's pretty, um, like, pretty perfect in my eyes. And there's a couple of her uh, okay songs but the rest of them are pretty banging so let's let's talk about the first song we have on the playlist which is from the first album uh, called youth gone wild this is a song that first got me into them and this very much sounds like taking dawn they, 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 it has that sound it has that vibe and what i love about this song is very much that they what they do quite well which a lot of like punk artists do today uh is that they create lines for their backing singers to sing, but also for their crowd to sing. It's a very underutilized thing. Uh, they create lines which um, crowds can sing along with them. So like, uh, we are that we are the youth gone wild. Like uh, it's like it's like crowds. Uh, it's crowd pleasing. Great guitar solos and kind of like um, catches that kind of teenage adolescence uh, of uh, and, and anarchy as well. Am I right in saying that they also? name drop themselves in that song they say skid row uh yes yeah, so fr- that from park avenue down to skid row there we go so uh, you've heard it on the radio you know okay this is the band called skid row thank you very much yeah. i i enjoy this song for many reasons i like you said i like the call and response yeah. chorus which is very much a hair metal kind of thing isn't it the big hands up chorus mm-hmm. um i also like it when it's sort of run out of lyrics at the end, and they'll just go da 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 da. This is ca- this is also my technique during karaoke. Yes, absolutely. Same. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah so i listened to your overrated pick first so when i got into skid row i was absolutely delighted to not be listening to bon jovi anymore so i was like all right okay i know what i'm dealing with here it's it's a bit bon jovi yes but it's not bon jovi thank fuck so uh yeah i i just i read that it was enjoyable and catchy and the chorus really stuck in my head so yeah, yeah i we're on the same boat with this one. Well, I kind of find that if you enjoy that, you'll pretty much enjoy most of the rest of them. Because like, mm-hmm. and to, to be fair, I kind of feel that, well, there's, there are different sounds and different paces and different things, but it's all kind of around the same thing. And maybe that was appealing for me at the time. And uh, the songs don't sound the same, but there's certainly a, a, a similar theme throughout them all, I would say. Um, but let's move on to Big Guns, which is the start of the first album. And what I've done is that, uh, let's go the next two and three because it goes from big gun to sweet little sister and yeah i think it's a cracking it's quite a thunderous start to the album because like they literally get the big guns out and then um one of my favorite songs is sweet little sister because it has like um it's uh it's catchy it's sweet and it's not entirely about sex yeah you know i mean it's quite like uh it's a protective element to it uh, i suppose but like yeah I, I yeah i just i just think it's uh too um too great can i songs. just ask when they were referring to these big guns is it ladies' breasts or a men's forearms? Because I've never heard of a lady having big guns before. I mean, I've been in a lot of romantic situations. I never asked to see her beautiful big guns before. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, what's that in your chest? I'm uh, absolutely two, two. loving this setup, friend. Hey, hey, ladies, I've been in plenty of romantic situations. <laughs> May I see your beautiful big guns? I've heard on Skid Row. Um, yes, I don't know. Are you, uh, are you packing a double barrel in your chest? Ooh, and Sweet Little Sister's yeah. also a dodgy Pornhub category. But um, so they're quite romantic guys. But yeah, I, the only, my only issue with this genre, don't kill me, Matt, is that some of the uh, show-off guitar solos I'm not a big fan of. I like it when it's, like Slash, for example, November Rain, that guitar solo adds mm. to the song. It's melodic and takes to a new level. But sometimes I feel like they've got a lovely guitar, a new pedal, and they're going to show off how fast they can play for no reason. See, I think that's why, as a teenager, I loved it, though, because it was like hard riff, hard solo, cool song do you know what i mean like uh i like the aesthetic and the sound of it do you know what i mean rather than the, the energy depth of... i'm guessing yes yeah. the, absolute, the energy absolutely the yeah. energy and um yeah I, I just like that i i i still do to a degree uh it's but i get less out of it now but yeah i uh i think that's that's what you sign up for this genre uh, and and particularly in the first album it's very hair metal it's a lot like that in the second and third album because they started touring with other bands, more heavier bands like uh, Pantera and stuff like that. They started like their ch- their sound changed a lot more, like uh, a bit more metal. So that instead of like a big hair metal like riffs, you get like dun, 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 dun. so it's a bit more like um, a bit deeper and uh, it has grunge elements uh, and. Yeah, so I kind of feel that uh, that's part of the domain of that album. I think that's why I like it, to be honest. It's just kind of, it's pure and simple, do you know what I mean? Well, not pure, impure and simple. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice It's nice to hear a hearsay quote. Sorry, Babs. <laughs> I, know, I was going to say, I really enjoyed that metal beatboxing or whatever you, what you just did, Matt. That was, that was quite fun. Thank you. Um, yeah, my feeling when listening to the whole playlist, what it reminded me of was the one time I played a video game obsessively because I'm not much of a gamer at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting there after a year of lockdown. I played Guitar Hero 2 obsessively, so incredibly obsessive. 
And that got me into the types of bands that I would not listen to at all, like Danzig, like Megadeth. Yes. So listening to this just brought me back to those Halcyon years, 2006, seven, I think, was yeah. when I really got addicted to it. Same. Um, and for these two songs, so I, I didn't really like Big Guns. I, I wrote that it felt a bit hair metal by numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did, I liked the ending and I really, with this song and throughout, I really enjoyed the harmonizing. It's like you were saying, like, it definitely seems like the, it's not just Sebastian Bach, like the, the harmonies are what makes the band so interesting for sure. Where a sweet little sister, I I wrote that I felt like I was in a car chase in an 80s film, especially in the beginning. <laughs> and I enjoyed that much more. For me, guitar solos, yeah, I, I'm a bit torn on guitar solos because sometimes I really enjoy it. And actually, with Skid Row, I enjoyed most of the guitar solos. You normally knew when they were coming. I, I felt like most of the time they did add something to it. Whereas with, with Bon Jovi, like it, they were awful. The, all, all the ones you suggested were absolutely awful and I felt now, nothing. <laughs> now Babs, I, I'm not sure if you mentioned it already, but did you enjoy Bon Jovi songs I picked out for you? <laughs> I died. Like, <laughs> I was messaging Fran like, oh my God. <laughs> we, we should have probably started with the Overrain ones. Cause like, I feel like- No, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, we'll become friends. And then I like, I will let these, don't worry. Like, I, oh. like I'm super grateful for Skid Row. Also enjoyed with both, you know, they talk a lot about being on a subway. Tra- so Big Guns, he says, a ballerina on a subway train, stiletto heels and a candy cane. Okay. Uh, and then in Sweet Little Sister, he talks about a subway queen. So I'm thinking, you know, they're probably environmentally friendly rockers. They just, they appreciate the women getting dressed up and going on public transport. That's that's a good yes, thing, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, huh. Yeah, definitely. That's what that means. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> um, brilliant. Um, you mentioned about riffs and I guess the next song sort of shows off their new version skidway part two kind of thing isn't yeah, it yeah yes with, with more riffs with the threat yeah so uh the threat is uh of their album their second album slave to the ground and yeah it's uh i i feel that the two different albums uh kind of sound very different uh but still i think the lyrically kind of similar do you know what i mean so uh yeah they, they just started uh a lot more heavy metal riffs and they are quite darker themes i would say like they talk a lot more uh about like society at large i'd say and uh hence slaves to the grind and like a uh, monkey business and stuff like that which is uh afterwards it, it gets it gets less about like girls and fun and more like ooh the man and so it's but it's not but never reaches political i would say it's just more about agitation i would say um i i, I like that with that second album it's uh and i think to as we were talking about earlier the second album syndrome where you kind of fall to the wayside you have to kind of improve you have to develop to some degree and uh you have to kind of do a keep it keep the the voice the same but change the just grow and that's why i think beastie boys and uh, uh of other, other bands like that um they do really well because what beastie boys did they had an original concept album and then they for every album then uh, they tried something brand new and different from from their second album paul's boutique was all samples like every single song was sampled and then they did that over the top which is really hard in the 80s then they did the opposite they played all the instruments for their third album and so forth they added something different to every single one and that's why they were legends because they managed to pull it off not all bands do that but i see that with uh skid row they definitely do that and we'll talk more about that different sound changes for my overrated band because sometimes it doesn't work i was weird enough going to mention guitar hero as well yeah because i thought songs like the threat would be perfect for guitar hero, and i was surprised they weren't on it because i also discovered bands like cheap trick mm-hmm. through guitar yeah, hero like guitar Surren- hero surrender well. yeah monkey business you mentioned yeah, how that was a massive hit, wasn't it? I literally never heard it in my life. Also, heard out apparently uh, Terminator Two 
wanted that to be the theme tune before Skid Row said no and then went to Guns N' Roses. Oh. So Monkey Business could have been on the TT soundtrack. I didn't know that. I didn't know it was a big hit because you have to appreciate it. I kind of live in a bit of a bubble, don't I mean? It's like, this is my angry. It's like, please welcome in. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, I, can't, I, I have no idea if anyone else uh, enjoys it. But yeah, yeah, I, 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 I just let you know, uh, I love Guitar Hero. And I think the reason why I like these bands is because they are like the very Guitar Hero. And that's very much my, I think I gained a lot of new bands from that. That's where, I, that's where my first love came in. That, that, I think that's the, the pinpoint, actually, because that was before Metallica, before the Beatles, just after Guns N' Roses. In fact, I bought Guitar Hero 2 because I had Sweet Child of Mine on it. I was like, I'll play that. And I fell in love with all these bands and I, I loved them so much. And I thought it would be, uh, I was a bit intimidated by the metal or guitar aspect of it, but actually I fell in love with it. It's, it, it got me, you know? And uh, yeah, and uh, that, that's why, I think that's why I like this this music, do you know what I mean? Because it, it connects to that time. Uh, also, just let you know, I am um, uh, North Yorkshire's best Guitar Hero player circa 2000 and six seven eight <laughs> so um, <laughs> i can't see the um medallion or the, or the trophy yeah, it's uh, it's it's, it's in the underground yeah. vault it's oh, very it's precious a <laughs> in a metal vault i once at a house party when i was in year nine there was a girl i was really trying to impress called let, let's call her uh, jemima um and uh basically i thought um what's going to impress her? I wasn't very a good looking boy back then. I uh, didn't really have anything interesting to say, but I could play Guitar Hero. So I thought what I'd do is I'd play Guitar Hero in front of a room full of people watching. It, was, it wasn't a good party. It was a party where two people were too awkward to do anything. Uh, and so I played Guitar Hero in front of everyone and everyone just kind of like <laughs> started talking halfway through and then they just got very disappointed and then uh, they all left the room and I was like, oh. Uh, that, no, I, I would have been absolutely impressed. Like my, my obsession with Guitar Hero it was um, the beginning of my second year of uni where an old, no, sorry, third year of uni, my ex-housemate had gone on Erasmus to France and left his PlayStation 2 and Guitar Hero. And I got so addicted to it. Uh, I'd like come home from uni and just play for hours. That I remember I played it so much once that I was looking at the screen and then I looked at the plant next to the television and it was like whirling. And I was like, okay, this, this is too much. And the thing that still angers me, so I almost completed it. I had three songs on expert wherever it was left to go where i needed five stars and i think it was like lamb of god and leonard skinner and then the playstation broke and then no one bought another one and i, I never completed it so i still like it's still one of my one of my biggest regrets well that's um, how we're going to finish this podcast we're going to buy we're going to get the fans <laughs> of this podcast to purchase you play it ps2 because you can't get anywhere else and we'll get you we'll get you to do that okay thank you matt i appreciate the support thank you yeah. doing this difficult time <laughs> Oh, we can do a real life version where we can get you a guitar and get you to learn all the songs actually in real life. Uh, I think think I prefer the guitar hero option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think things are a bit easier. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, go, going back to to the threat. So yeah, it's funny that you talked about riffs, friend, because like wh- what I wrote for this one was riffs, 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 riffs from the beginning. Um, it wasn't really my my go to kind of song, but I could I can appreciate it. I liked the yelping, and he has his range is big. He goes, he sings. Yeah. Uh, which is really impressive and then yeah Fran you touched on monkey business which was my favorite absolutely like I had no idea uh, yeah really I, I I had no idea it was going it started really quietly and then it just went fucking everywhere uh I, I it wasn't hair metal by numbers at all I thought it was really layered is what I wrote down I don't really know what that means but um yeah I, I enjoyed it but Fran could I hear the- could I hear cowbell in that song oh maybe I mean, it, it felt cowbell and it felt like it felt fine to have Cowboy in that song as well. 
I thought you got you got cocaine, got monkeys, cowbell. It makes it makes sense to me. If there's a high title for this podcast, it's got cocaine, it's got monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> and then so we bring it down for uh, a waste of time. Uh, yes, because uh, um, wasted time is. Uh, I think it might be. I think it's the penultimate, or maybe the last song of the album. Uh, uh, yeah, well, last song of the album, and. Um, I felt that they they actually do really good finishing album. Uh, they, they they know how to finish an album. They feel a little bit slower, they slower paced, and not to ruin it, but um, the final song of Skid Row is "I Remember You," which is a um, it's not the final song of the album, but it's a penultimate, and it's just closing down. It's a bit more gentler, and it allows you to is it's that reflective moment. I think that that reflective moment in their hair metal bands are really really important. Uh, Guns N' Roses do it really well with Rocket Queen. They have the the rock part of the song, but at the end they have this nice kind of reflective moment where they kind of dismiss the re- the rest of their album and be like, you know what, we're here, we're more than just sex, and uh, we can be there for friends as well. We I care for you as a human being, and I feel that that's what Wasted Time and both I Remember You do in a really equal measure. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite. I, I don't think that they're as good doing a ballad as say maybe. The guns and the poisons and Bon Jovi. Uh, sorry. What was that? Sorry. <laughs> Not, I mean, nothing happened there. Sorry, we have to um, mute your mic. Sorry. <laughs> mate. I think I think Skid Row are better playing hard. Mm-hmm. Yes. What, how about you, Babs? I couldn't agree with you more, Fran. Uh, yeah, I'm really sorry to say, Matt. With the well, okay, with wasted time, I appreciated his vocals, and I I put here that. It's no wonder to me that he had to have hernia surgery recently. I'm not fucking surprised. Like the the reach that he has to do, it's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I remember you. Like I I do not like most rock ballads, and yeah, I wrote that it was it was two Guns and Roses and John Bo- John Bon Jovi esque for me. So uh, I I would pass. But yeah. there there was there's still more to discuss that that was very good. And I think back in those days, by law, you had to have a, a section with the lighters, so you know you had to have yeah. at least one well, ballad. Yeah, well, uh, uh, joking aside, they probably probably thought they would have to as well, because obviously you can't you for can't a gig for if, the if whole time. yeah if you're doing night let's say two two hour show you can't just be thrashing all the way you gotta have like gears if you know what I mean like for a comedian you can't just be like doing one liners for twenty minutes or else your eyes will fall out you know what I mean like you've gotta you gotta have like different gears and I think uh. Yeah, so that might not, you know, I don't let no one goes to Skid Row because they want to listen to a ballad, but they do. It's a nice, it's a nice way to finish off the album because like you don't want to just do the same songs over and over as well. So I think that's a, yeah, and it's, um, I think, uh, I remember you was in the top 10 singles as well. So it did pretty well. So, um, we also, uh, on the playlist, we Can't Sign the Heartache. Uh, we also, um, yeah, which is uh, just a song of the uh, first album, which is uh, pretty simple. It's, uh, I think we kind of discussed. The kind of it has that kind of pop rock uh, uh, mentality to it. It's uh, pretty straightforward. I don't like it. Um, but yeah, after wasted time though, to wrap up, we, we have the third, um, the only song of the third album, and I didn't want to include in anything after the third album because Sebastian Bach left after that time. I, I'm just, I'm just really intrigued because I, I love this, and I thought it was basically Audio Slave Rage Against the Machine, and I was like, this is a totally different direction, but. I actually really enjoyed this. So yeah, tell, but what was the situation in, in 95 when they released this? Basically, uh, uh, we kind of talked about they, they kind of like just uh, had a massive falling out as well. They managed to record this uh, album, but um, I kind of, took me a while to realise when Bach left and I realised it is after this album. Firstly, it's called The Subhuman Race and I'm kind of like, 
I don't know. It just gives me off tones. You know what I mean? If you call something like any album called that, that's dodgy territory. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like going like, uh, like uh, it's not a pointed hood. It's just white for a reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like it feels a bit like it, it's dodgy territory. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, absolutely. Audio slave, that kind of vibe. It very, uh, yeah, it felt, it felt of the time. It felt very much like um, very sound garden You know what I mean? It has that, like a uh, big riffs and stuff like that. To be honest, it's not a bad couple of albums, but uh, that, that album's okay, but it feels like the heart wasn't in it anymore. And that's why I didn't want to include too much of it. The first two albums, it feels like they do have, that. that's their prime, do you know what I mean? But the third album's a bit more like longer songs, a bit more drag, a lot more fluff. And you can kind of tell like that the album length is like uh, about an hour. And it's just like, it, but I think My Enemy is really good because uh, it it's the start of the album and quite, quite, um, hits all the beats um i did feel i did struggle for the rest of the album but um yeah but my enemy i felt was good his vocals completely changed doesn't it really? yeah yeah I, I i thought it was a different vocalist at one point. I, well it took me well i only found out today that it was i had to do, double check my maths to be honest because i because uh, it sounds totally different and it, and but that i think that's but well you know it's been a been a long time since he uh um you know since uh about nearly like nearly 10 years since he recorded um uh, since they released, oh, no, actually not ten years. It was five years, uh, five six years since they released the debut album. So, and obviously years of partying, years of touring, gonna change your voice a lot. So, yeah. I think he said that like it was to be fitting into alternative music, but if you see him do like his classics from the day and those concerts, he is not hitting those notes anymore. A lot of, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of shit has gone down in in the nineties for him, unfortunately. But also, this is at the time where. All how metal essentially was told to go off sale, not not because because people weren't buying it as much anymore. Like because um, uh, though they were quite popular, these bands like like uh, from like ninety nine one uh, onwards, like basically when Nirvana came onto the scene with grunge, it basically people left hair metal to go to grunge. That's why it's called hair metal because of the people from grunge. Because uh, like, they look back and it goes, oh my god, they like grunge is like almost like a response to hair metal going like oh we don't care about that we don't care about our appearance we care about like fucking music man you know what i mean like uh and that's why it changes that's why the sound changes and it's a uh, more than just metal, like hair metal it's, it's a different direction and i think that's very intentional yeah i think they also cut the hair back as well mm-hmm. that makes me think like what is there a band that merges those two genres very well like a grungy hair metal band because that, that sounds right up my street i have to say like uh with uh with my enemy it left me wanting more like i did enjoy the kind of more let's say classic hair metal that in between i liked even if it was for kind of i guess yeah commercial reasons rather than artistic ones that they were changing their sound i guess you could call velvet revolver that band yeah, that, well, yeah, that's one that I haven't really gotten well, into. But, uh, maybe I should give it another go. Yeah, well, yeah, I think Velvet Involvement might be a nice waypoint because it is literally both grunge and heavy metal with Scott Weiland on the vocals and the slash on yeah. guitar plus uh, other Guns N' Roses members. But yeah, I kind of find anything post in 2000, I find it hard to call it hair metal because... Uh, um, because like darkness uh, is technically hair metal, but it's uh, and it is a revival of sorts. And the, te- the band I listen to, Taken Door, and that's also that kind of uh, similar. Uh, but also, it's just I know I kind of feel like the reason I said eighties hair metal is because I feel it was a time, it was a genre, it was a moment. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a certain precipice as well. 
but yeah, we should. Well, I think um, we I think we pretty much covered. We also have Beggar's Day for Skid Row. Beggar's yeah, Day, which um, yeah. yeah, pretty um, pretty love, uh, pretty lovely, nice um, and also it finishes with I Remember You, which I we talked about earlier. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it for Skid Row. Really, it's, I think we kind of discussed it a lot. Unless you had any other thoughts. Uh, just Beggar's Day was the one song on the playlist that actually I changed my mind on. When it started, I was like, mm, I'm not clicking so much with this one. But then they slow down in the chorus. Uh, and then he goes, well, again, like, I, I really enjoy it when they're unpredictable because like, maybe maybe I just felt this so strongly because I've been listening to really bad Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. But uh, with Bon Jovi, I really I, I knew where it was going almost every single time. Like, uh, whereas with uh, with Skid Row, it, it really surprised me at points. And, and Beggar's Day was definitely one of them. I, I totally changed my mind on that one. By the end. So Matt, how come you didn't choose 18 and Life? I think that's our biggest single. Yeah, it? I think I chose it for that reason. Because I think if you're going to know uh, Skid Row, you probably know that one. And I just thought, why not show you some... Honestly, both of these playlists are kind of like selling points. I want to show you more the uncut, underrated stuff. I also, with Bon Jovi, I want you to show you the uncut, awful stuff. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, Babs, I guess we should ask you the question. Skid Row, underrated or overrated? Well, okay, I I would say if I'm analysing them as me, then yeah, underrated, because I'd never heard of them and I broadly enjoyed them. But they are a massive rock band with a lot of following, so for me, they're, they're just right. What about you, Fran? Yeah, I, I think they hit the middle. I, I like a few songs, but I'm not going to go out and buy a Skid Row album tomorrow, but I didn't hate them as much as I thought I was going to. I thought they were going to be like Warrant, or poison and have like two decent tracks mm -hmm. when the whole lot would be just like just fodder so yeah i'm happy i've listened to the playlist i'm happy that i've experienced sebastian buck check him out on youtube guys his, his in interview from the late 80s is insane seriously um, the, the guy has some uh, has some guts um yes yeah. <laughs> yeah and some guns yeah big guns yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. ak-47s <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for bringing them on and we can find out what our listeners think as well. I, genuine, there's such a tension there because I was like, if you say overrated, I will leave this podcast. Like, I'm like, not, not, I did it as a joke before, but I would leave. Over underrated. Sous évalué. Überschätzt. Over underrated. So that was our skid rope discussion. Clearly, Sebastian Bach. Highly problematic, but I actually quite enjoyed discussing that with Matt, and he seemed very open about it. I'm still glad to have discovered the music of Skid Row, although, as you will see, both Fran and I are a bit less keen on the musical selection coming up. You may have enjoyed the uh, ambience. We are currently socially distancing, driving along the highway of New Jersey, listening to some 80s metal. More coming next. Overrated. So, Matt, what's your overrated pick today? So, uh, um, you know what, uh, Babs, I think you're going to enjoy it. It's it's it's, it's Bon Jovi, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, Wait. You know what? Um, as I said earlier, I really don't. I don't dislike Bon Jovi. I actually think they're a pretty good band, but I think they're the most fitting for the overrated category, in my opinion, because I just feel that Bon Jovi are. They have. I would say they they could do a fantastic best of album but any deeper than that uh, yeah 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 it's, you, you're in dangerous waters here because i and also i i've seen bon jovi live and uh 
uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I gotta be honest, when I was a younger, I proper loved Bon Jovi, like really, really loved Bon Jovi, like, uh, like, uh, the Slippery When Wet album, and I still think that holds up. That That's an album with uh, You Could Love a Bad Name, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, uh, um, and uh, Living on the Prayer. It's a fanta- genuinely a fantastic album. However, they I kind of find any band that's headlining or doing stadium tours, like they have to have something more than that. You know what I mean? They have to, like, you have to have a legacy. And I think Bon Jovi don't really. And uh, what I wanted to show you today, and the reason I picked Bon Jovi, is that they have a shelf life and it went off 20 years ago. Anything in two, uh, 2000 onwards, uh, well, even then, I think anything in the 90s onwards after Bon Jovi is uh, quite trim for the cutting. And to be fair to them, they've released albums pretty regularly and they've kind of tried lots of different directions. Has any of it worked in their favor? No. And that's what I've shown you today. I've made 10, I collected 10 songs for you. And these 10 songs are the worst Bon Jovi songs I could find. I'm not, I'm not trying to argue that uh, uh, Bon Jovi are a band to listen to. I could have picked songs which are really good. And to be fair, there are some bangers, but these are not them. These are the, the floor. The, these are the factory floor trimmings, which should have been off every album. But somehow, somehow they, these songs made it onto albums. Like, and how, how indeed. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully, after you've listened to them, you've been like, "Yeah, that like that is that it will change your view of Bon Jovi." Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. So I I didn't know where you stood on Bon Jovi because I think with our guests we we want to give the free reign. Like obviously, the underrated band they pick is going to be a band that they really love and, and want to promote. But with overrated, I thought you might be a really big Bon Jovi fan, uh, and you were like, "No, these are these are some amazing songs, which are all from the twenty first century." I thought like Matt's an absolute fucking wild card. What is he doing here? And I was like, all right, okay, let's let's go into this. And then I just I absolutely I absolutely lost my mind. I, I was working quite late yesterday. And then I was like, okay, do I prepare for the podcast late in the evening or should I do it today? No, let's do it late in the evening. And I started this thing and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this is the worst. I think because for me as well, like Bon Jovi definitely veers into sort of country and Americana, which are two genres I do not like. And yeah, I, I thought I thought there was going to be a bit more of like living on a prayer. It's my life. You know, I can I can appreciate a bit of that. But my God, it was it was awful. Um, I, I just want to say as well, I, I have actually seen Bon Jovi live in a very unusual setting. So when it was the 20th anniversary of the Berlin Wall falling, I um, went to visit people in Berlin and had dinner at the Hotel Adlon, which is, you know, the hotel where Michael Jackson hung out, baby. And it's like this right famous had a Brandenburg game, um, correct? Right outside the Randman Gate, precisely. So we had dinner there uh, with some with some family friends, and I saw Bon Jovi on the terrace of that hotel, like I don't know, like twenty meters away in the freezing cold. It was very surreal. Um, and yeah, I mean, they didn't really make much of it, but I'm like, yeah, this is weird. Kind of, this is not the best setting for them. Um, so going in, I was like, okay, I don't really like Bon Jovi, but again, because I didn't know whether you like these songs or not, I was like, oh, probably there's some like amazing offcuts. M- my God, my God, Matt, but it was uh, it was interesting torture. <laughs> I would have bloody loved it if these are your favourite songs of all time, because anyone <laughs> who thinks that the fairy tale of New York, the John Bon Jovi version, is the the pinnacle, mm-hmm. is has got guts. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I, like, like yeah. So the first song. Uh, is uh, it technically it isn't Bon Jovi, but it's John Bon Jovi. Uh, so it's, uh, it's it, just by himself. Well, uh, yeah. I, so he did release an EP, um, a John Bon Jovi Christmas, which is the worst 
title of anything in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, uh, it has this, the songs Christmas all over again, If I Get Home on Christmas Day, and The Fairy Tale in New York. And it is atrocious. It's like, it is <laughs> just, just, like, imagine your favorite song and someone with a lot of money goes, hey, I think I can make that better. <laughs> Wait, do we need the band on this? No, I'll just do it by myself. And it's, it's <laughs> just, a train wreck and i put it on first because i knew like i i'm actually a bit stunned that you thought oh he's a fan of bon jovi <laughs> after why would i put that on <laughs> i just thought like you just loved him so much that you're like my dream is to have nothing but john bon jovi on fairy tale of new he ever like kirsty mccall fucker we want john bon jovi. <laughs> and, and also it's the first time i've ever seen someone which is famously a duet that song he goes i'll do it both sides myself and it's not like he hasn't got any other people doing production he has people doing like violins and stuff like that so obviously like it's not just him do you know what i mean so he kind of got someone to do it with but no Hopefully here, dude. Don't go breaking my heart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm, yeah, it's 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 super something fire. Um, let's move on. Let's move on from John Bon Jovi solo. Yeah, to uh, let's move on to No Apologies by Bon Jovi. And um, to be honest, I'm, I so I, I saw this band live. I saw them at Hard Rock Calling twenty. I think it's twenty eleven. I would have to say they uh, did uh, Hyde Park, and I really wanted to see them. I love Bon Jovi. I love seeing bands at that time. But it, they played for three and a half hours, and I was so bored. Like I, uh, I wanted to enjoy it, but it was just so boring. And uh, and uh, I think my love for them died since. And Bon Jovi are kind of like a, they kind of like a bad. X in my head, do you know what I mean? They're, they're kind of like a like at the time when you were in love with them, you think it's great, but when you look back at them, it's like, oh man, that's cringy. Why would you? Why? Why? Why did you love that? Why? Why do you love that? And I think that's what's in my system right now. And like, I don't actually think I think they're okay, but I just yeah. But this is my but my 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 partner put on uh, no apologies the other day, and I was like, I hadn't heard this song before. What the fuck is going on? Why is this? why is this music on fire like what's going on here like and I, I don't mean in a good way it's like like it's auto modded it's like no apologies it's like come on like what well, and I, let's just save ourselves a lot of time here the rest of these songs on this album are like why are you talking about this what is this song Wh why has this been made <laughs> you know what I mean? like, thank you Thank you. Yes. I was like, what is he not apologizing for? I don't get it. I looked at the lyrics and he's not apologizing for being himself. I, I, I had no idea what was going on. Is that musical yeah. career Brand post uh, 2000, I think? Um, yeah, I mean, No Apologies <laughs> is one of the songs I actually knew from this list here. I think I was a fan of Bon Jovi when I was 16 years old. I think most 16 year olds don't mind Bon Jovi because it's living on a prayer. It's, you know, it's bad medicine. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's all good. Anything from 2000 onwards is uh, no and like I, there's not many bands who never change their sound and when they do like matt says it gets ultimately even worse mm -hmm. and on this we do have um shades of the worst thing that could happen and that is bon jovi meets country oh my god yes oh, so right. bad so there's a right there's an album called lost highway uh, and there's oh my god <laughs> which that was the worst i wrote kill me i literally wrote kill me <laughs> i gotta be honest i've never made it all the way through that song and i try my best to rehear like listen to all this and like to the, in the last week i've been listening to this playlist just to make sure it's all right and kind of do research <laughs> but all the bon jovi songs i just get sad you know what i mean I'm like why am i listening to something that makes me upset <laughs> it's, it's, it, so it's 
it's kind of like, hey, a fun good rock band in 2000, I think it's 2007 that they do uh, uh, yeah, Lost yeah. Highway. And, uh, and it's just like, it's, and you think, oh, you know, like, uh, it, in, yeah, it's, it's just absolutely mad. It, it's just sad and awful. I mean, it's, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure some people will really get kicked out of it. And, uh, but I just like, what same person thinks, you know what I want? <laughs> I want my favorite rock band to do a country album. Yeah, you know I mean, it's like, hey, uh, you know, like uh, Metallica, do you fancy, <laughs> do you fancy uh, uh, getting some straw in your mouth and talking about hay seeds? You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, uh, like what, what is the hay haze, the hay haze and the folksy violins at the beginning. I, I did write that I enjoyed the verses, not that I can remember them because it's all now a blur to me, to mm-hmm. be honest. But the chorus is appalling. It's, yeah, we, we can move on. I, I think it gets worse though, because I read today that the reason they did a country album was because Bon Jovi, who calls himself the Bon Jovi Incorporated, because it's a brand, not a, not a band apparently, he noticed that in the mid noughties, the country music sales in America were not dwindling. So he cynically did a country album to sell more records. That's us. That's even worse, Mr. Bon Jovi. Even worse. That that from is the what that's I think that's the reason I don't like the music. That it's disingenuous. It's it what it is, all this music I picked, it's all that the reason I like Skid Row, because it was authentic, it's genuine, it's raw. Bon Jovi, post slippery when wet. A lot of the, the a lot of songs are picked. It just they they just don't care. It's no kind of pride in the music, and then also what they're saying is kind of wrong. And like, there's nothing from the heart. It's all from the it's all from the wallet. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it feels hundred percent <laughs> overly polished. It feels, but also with the quality not being good. Do you know what I mean? It feels it's manufactured, and that's what I hate. Manufactured shite. That's what it is. On Save the World, did you hear the line? The threat on my collar, that's my PhD. Yes, oh, oh my god, it's so bad. <laughs> like, like there's some absolute stonking lyrics in there as well. And like also, you know, I, I I'm not sure who uh, listens to this podcast, and obviously all political views are available, uh, but also like he feels there's definitely a Brexit vibe towards Bon Jovi. Do you know what I mean? It's like, we are undivided against the EU. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of like... <laughs> but actually, what's the... Pro- okay, so I think Fran and I were talking yeah, about yeah. this. We I, we thought that John Bon Jovi was a big old Republican. But actually, I, I put down, he is budget Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Right? And this is before I even knew he was he was from New Jersey as well. I was like, he's here. You know, there's another song he put on here called Work for the Working Man. And I was just like, he's talking about this and I do not believe a single fucking word. And it's like, well, maybe maybe he is from a working class background, but I just, I, I believed in nothing. And especially the guitar solos, as I mentioned before. It, it just feels formulaic. And, and also, talking about formulas, I'm not sure if you noticed, but Work for the Working Man, it starts off with a bass, uh, and I'm not sure if you recognise this bass, but it goes like this. Bon Jovi plagiarised himself. <laughs> for Work for the Working Man, they plagiarised the bass so, the bass riff from uh, um, Living on the Prayer, which is, that, that is mad. That's absolutely copper bottom madness. Also, I noticed, do you know that they pay songwriters on all the big hits what they shouldn't oh i didn't know all that's all the big hits they brought in helping guys to to write songs it's my life is uh it's max miller the masters uh the guy who wrote all the backstreet boys singles 
So Max yeah, yeah, so Max Martin, yeah. So th- they are that cynical. They literally try and search for other songwriters, try and work out how they're going to make some money. But oh, I know that vocoder work from the Living on a Prayer. Let's bring that back. Mm-hmm. That, that, and then I think, oh shit, we're we're failing. Let's bring back the bass line from Living on a Prayer. Let's see if, if that works. It's, it's, it, but, they are the most cynical band I've ever known. But that's that's exactly it, there. Like, and that's why I don't buy anything. Like, oh, my sweat's my PhD. Or oh, work for the working man. It's like, but you're also you're taking credit for these other people's work and getting famous off them. Do you know what I mean? Like. And the, and the thing is, like, what annoys me, like, I'm, we've talked about this before. If the, for me, sometimes, if the song is good, I don't care who's involved or how cynical yeah, it sure. is. But here, it's like they are, they're presenting themselves to be the working man heroes. Here. And if they're doing that and, and really cynically going along with what the market is doing, it is, it feels very disappointing coming from, from them. underrated have you seen the album covers guys i was just about to say that <laughs> genuinely because have a nice day um which is a 2005 album um and also features a song bells of freedom like it, I, I i wrote i saw the title and i was scared but, <laughs> that was the brexit by yes, one i was like uh oh uh-oh. I'm pretty sure Bon Jovi, like, he was at the coup capital, like, uh, early in the month. That mean, he was there being like, Bell for freedom! Yeah! Nice. Matt, sad news. Yeah. Yesterday, he was at Biden. Yeah. And he was singing, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. He's a Biden fan. Oh, no. Who knew? Why, why did... Good yes, he changed... He changed from yesterday. Yesterday he's a Trump supporter. Suddenly, oh! I was gonna say. <laughs> Tell you what, like, uh, let's bring back Trump, shall we? Um, <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, talking about album covers though. Like, uh, have a nice day. This is a multi-million-dollar band who have tons of spend on graphic art design. What they've done? It's a it's a black outline of a square with an uh, an angry uh, frowny face on it. It's literally just two dots, two lines for eyebrows, and one smile. That's it. Are they trying to do like their version of the rave smiley face, the yellow rave smiley face in the in the nineties, and just you know adding a few eyebrows and making it square? I thought, hey guys, I've heard about these these phones with texting. It's horrible. Yeah, but yeah, you know what? You, I'm glad we had this conversation because I feel like it, like you've summed up what I have always felt about this band. Do you know what I mean it's a uh, yeah, and you know what? Like their their first couple of albums. Pretty brilliant. Slippery on wet. Can't knock it. But these uh, are disingenuous, dis, dis out of touch, and it's what can we get the most money out of as well? Do you know what I mean? It's uh, I just yeah, they just don't care, do they? I, I think there was there was one or two that I didn't mind as much. So we got it going on with absolute fucking nonsense. But and he was talking about shaking shake your money maker, whatever. But I was like, okay, this is kind of inoffensive and fine and i think actually labor of love uh i got i don't know about you guys but i got chris isaac wicked game yes that's exactly what it is from the guitars at the beginning and i was like okay well yeah now i'm like well he's slowly ripping that off then and i thought it was okay but like the vote he's really creepy in this song he's really simpering like one of the lyrics is and if i need some sugar i'll get it from your lips and i was like this is this is disgusting you you, you prefer big guns uh Big Guns and Subway Queens, that's my vibe personally. But uh, yeah, that was much better than Do What You Can, which I called Turbo Country. And, you know, I can appreciate it's about kind of, it's from an album called 2020, which is about 2020. And it's all about social distancing and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, well, you know, he's probably in his big mansion in his studio writing a song. And I'm sure it will make a lot of people 
feel better, but it just made me yeah. feel worse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I, you know what? If you look at his 2020 album called 2020, any, any well, and this goes for all the post 2000 Bon Jovi. It's essentially like all the all the titles of the songs you could guess. Yeah, I mean, like they all follow. Like, right, this is the 2012 20 album in its entire. Um, I'll I'll, re- I'll read out a couple of ones. Limitless, do what you can. Beautiful drug, story of love, lower the flag, brothers in arms, unbroken. They're all the same. Do you know what I mean? They're all like kind of the claim cliche. That's what it is. Yeah, he's desperate for meaning, but it has no meaning behind, does he? That's it. That's it. There, he's kind of hoping this might mean something to someone, not to me, though. And now they haven't even even got which is Sam Ball anymore, are they? So it's even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And uh... when he quits, you know, it's time to, to get off the train, guys. What, what happened there? Because again, I'm not, I'm not up to the. So um, I've got to be honest. From the top of my head, I can't remember. But he basically, I think he just left the band after years. Uh, nothing. I don't don't think it's uh. I don't think it's controversial. I think he just uh, just left to do his own thing after a while. And it was pretty recently, not recently, but in the last couple of years. So it's not exactly, wasn't a big outing, I think. Um, but I might be incorrect. But yeah, I think that if Bon Jovi quit in 1995, there would be held as a fine rock band. Now they're up there with Nickelback and U2 as one of the most hated bands in the world. But that's why I think that if you do two awesome albums and out, wonderful. You know what I mean? Like, uh, they, they could have, if, if their face stopped after um, their second album, like, it'd be pretty, pretty great, you know? Like, uh, I think uh, it'd be, uh, I'm happy with that. Do you know what I mean? See, this is the thing. I, I kind of want to come back to this because I just, I don't like Bon Jovi, so I would probably disagree with this. So I'm, I'm willing to come back for round two if you want to, if you want to present the good side of Bon Jovi. <laughs> but, but sadly, I think that, are they probably the most successful hair metal band post 90s though most of them were completely destroyed after nirvana weren't they really? yeah they, they, seem, they seem to still have big hits because i think they merged themselves with pop i think that's what kept them alive do you know what i mean so like doing like that's how they survive they, they survived by being a, a rock band rather than a hair metal band do you know what i mean and uh and to be fair i think they've always pitched themselves like that but also uh but i'm, I'm not sure i would argue that guns and roses might be more successful and uh especially now and uh, they're certainly um but uh, yeah, in terms of facts and figures, I, I, I couldn't tell you. But also, but yeah, I, I, uh, they're up there, certainly in the top brackets, I would say. Wow. I've just gone to look at their Spotify statistics, right? So they're the 199th most listened to band in the world. And they have 17 million monthly listeners and 8.8 million followers. That is a lot. Bon Jovi will not die, guys. It will not die. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I should probably... Ask Babs. I mean, who knows what's going to happen right I have now? No idea. But no idea. Bon Jovi, Babs, over or underrated? Uh, insert drum roll here. Absolutely fucking over overrated. I I I felt like this was catharsis. This conversation because, as as I said, I didn't know where what angle you were coming at this from, and I thought like, oh my god, you know, we have Matt coming on. Never met him before. You know, let's make it a nice experience for him. And then the minute the minute that fucking song started, the fairy tale of New York, I thought, oh god. So yeah, this 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 is terrible. Listen, you know, I think there there are certain people for whom it it's just going to provide some comfort. It is sort of middle of the road music. Uh, and that's fine, you know. I don't, I don't begrudge you, but please don't let it near me again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, because 
It's yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Yeah, because I mean, like, who is that for? Who's that song for? Because it's not for Christmas fans. Because no one's gonna go. Oh, uh, what am I gonna listen to? Uh, Fairy Tale of New York. Which one? Uh, the Pogues who do it perfectly, or do you want to do it by John Bon Jovi <laughs> who couldn't give a fuck? Uh, yeah. Or well, do, do you know what? I, I think maybe the appeal of John Bon Jovi, like John Bon Jovi, was was is a handsome man. Like I I, I feel like Bon Jovi maybe you know to, to really stereotype sort of one for the months sort of thing who you know they look at his pretty smiling face and they're like oh bless him like yeah let's hear him talk about shaking his money maker and working on the land or whatever the fuck he's talking about um and you know look, look very nice while doing it like it, they're a polished band like you know i, I remember their their music videos and, and stuff like that so i think it's i'm guessing a lot of people who like bon jovi is not just for the music it's for the whole package but that is a package i would return <laughs> thank you very much and uh, guys i will have to say that i do not have a bon jovi poster on my wall sadly um i think that yeah bon jovi after always terrible before always i would see them at a festival if they're playing or you know, you know if there'd be a laugh just to put your hand in the and go living on a prayer yeah but yeah over i gotta say like if you were gonna if I actually think if you saw them at a festival, might be a laugh. If they're doing like a 40 minute set, like if they're doing the Glastonbury Legend set for like less than an hour, bangers after bangers, you'll have a great time, genuinely. Like I think there'll be a lot of fun and everyone will be in a good mood. Everyone knows all the words of the songs, you'll have a good time. But it goes, this one's for my new album, and then exit quickly. <laughs> Yeah, when they bring in a banjo and a violin, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> We've locked the doors. It's a festival. You can't lock the doors. We've locked the doors. Okay. <laughs> so, I I believe uh, we have Freeway. It's overrated for Bon Jovi. Sorry, Bon Jovi fans. Do not troll us. And thank you, Matt, for appearing on our last of the series episode. We've all learned something today. We've all gained something, I hope. Mm-hmm. And we can go back and watch uh, Sebastian back on YouTube. Absolutely. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, yes. Uh, if you'd like to follow me at Matt Hoss Comedy on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, I do live broadcasts pretty much uh, three times a week and maybe more. So do check that out there. If you like a community which is kind, caring, with a lot of fun, that's the kind of stuff I do. Uh, with uh, yeah, and on top of that, um, if you like music podcasts, why don't you check out my podcast called Castable? It's where I get famous people to pitch their dream music festival. It's a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, season three is coming up very soon, so do check it out. It is a great. Uh, I was going to say it's a great, thank, great thank podcast. You. And I didn't realize until I think I started following you on social media that you were also behind Myths, which I oh really well, oh thank you thank yes. you so much <laughs> yeah oh uh, I, yes uh, Myths is uh, one of my favorite it's M I F F S I started with my university friend Dan and it's uh yeah it's uh it's really evolved into something different to what it is because uh, it started off as like a missed podcast but it's really just about two friends hanging out so uh and uh yeah it's, it's quite it's quite sweet and uh yeah um yeah and also what, what else am i doing also my book is going to be out shortly so if you like uh sci-fi it's called purify it's about the environmental end of the world it'll be on my website so that's www.matthosscomedy.com ciao and bye-bye Sopra sottovalutato. Calcula. Over underrated. So that was the end of episode 10, the last one of season one. As Fran said at the beginning, don't worry, we're going to come back and we will be posting on social media. And we'd love to hear from you on what bands and what topics you'd like to hear on future episodes. We have a few things recorded already, but there's definitely more space for suggestions. So if you have any bands you'd like us to talk about, 
you can email us on overunderratedmusicpod at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at OUMusicPod and on Instagram at overunderratedmusicpod. Keep on rocking, guys. <laughs>